Welcome to this edition of Rail Group on Air, the podcast series brought to you by Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. I'm William C. Vantuono, Editor-in-Chief of Railway Age. Our sponsor for this podcast is Trinity Rail, the premier provider of rail transportation products, services, and rail logistics solutions. With RSI Logistics and Trinsight, Trinity Rail helps improve rail freight management and makes rail shipping simpler, more effective, and more cost-effective. At our 2023 virtual Rail Insights Conference held in June, I had a chance to speak with John Orr, Executive Vice President and Chief Transformation Officer of Canadian Pacific Kansas City, the newly merged railroad that is the first and only true transnational railway in North America. This is a new strategic position at CPKC, and John is responsible for network operations, planning and design, procurement, labor relations, and regulatory affairs. Previously, John served as Executive Vice President of Operations for Kansas City Southern, overseeing the transportation, engineering, mechanical, network operations, health, safety, environmental, and labor relations teams from 2021 to 2023. John is a fourth-generation railroader. He began his career at CN in 1985, holding various leadership positions, including Senior Vice President and Chief Transportation Officer. John, welcome. You've had quite a career, and why don't you tell us about your background to start? The industry has been in my my family for almost 400 years of service between my great-grandfather all the way through to my brothers and nephews and nieces who work in the rail space and it's something that uh, I, I'm proud to be invested in. And sometimes, Bill, I have to pinch myself that uh, I've come from from the time of being a, a brakeman uh, and a locomotive engineer in London, Ontario, to now in one of the, the arguably the greatest merger at the most impactful time in, in our three nations history with the CPKC deal being approved so um, fully by the STB. And then to be the person granted the responsibility to bring the two cultures of these wonderful organizations together to optimize competitive capability and optimization of the infrastructure and the resources that we have is a terrific, uh, a terrific challenge. Uh, and uh, one that's going to take a little experience and uh, a little bit of um, navigation, but but I'll tell you, the team at CPKC, the integrated team that uh, Keith Grill has put together, uh, they are committed to helping one another and working through these these new spaces that we're all entering into. We want to focus on your uh, on what you're doing as Chief Transformation Officer, and I know that, and uh, we chatted earlier that involves uh, interfacing with labor and uh, a, lot, a lot of customers, a lot of other facets to it. Uh, but could you tell me a little bit about what, what went into developing, you know, leading up to the actual driving that spike? And I was, yeah. I was so happy to be there and that the ceremony uh, historic with witnessing a historic moment. What went into developing this uh, transnational operating plan? To your point, uh, the work that went into developing the operating plan well before April 14th, uh, it was was tremendous. And, and there's a secret weapon at, at uh, former CP, now CPKC, in Ray Elifek, who uh, 
is just a, a great uh, service design, service-oriented uh, person who, who really worked with me to develop the architecture of the service plan. And it was actually pretty straightforward from the perspective of applying the technical space of a railway. And, and uh, as uh, was mentioned earlier, it, it was a no-overlap system, so it's really integrating the two. But then it's putting railway experience to work on where where in under two separate entities you, you don't have the c capital commitment or the the uh, service commitments to do upstream activities in order to make the downstream first mile last mile service orientation as optimized as possible and so putting the work in the terminals uh, uh, for example the quad cities and, and using the hump in minneapolis st paul uh, to do work in uh, shreveport to do work for uh, Beaumont Yard or even as deep into uh, Mexico as Monterey, uh, that those those uh, thought processes were um, put to work and the service plan was developed through that. So it was really, how do we minimize the number of handlings? How do we create capacity by, by bypassing yards or doing block swaps uh, that avoid a lot of uh, pin pulling and switching and handling in, a, in an area? in order to speed up the overall network. And it's working. I mean, the operating plan that we put in place, that we published with the STB, that we put in place on the 14th, uh, was as planned. And in, in true form, uh, under Keith Creel's leadership and with Mark Redd at the helm of operations, they, they're ever evolving that, that mindset. So it really, I think what's happened is we've been able to realize even more gains relative to terminal performance, uh, how, how cars are handled in the service uh, yards and how they're getting to and from our customers a lot more effectively. And uh, now that we've gone from a laboratory to a, a workplace in the practical sense, uh, those opportunities to listen to the frontline managers and the customers are that, that data, data that flows back to our service design people and our operating team. Uh, is helping us evolve and adapt even quicker than we thought. Can you speak a bit to the uh, integration of the IT systems? I would think about that as a, in, in terms of consolidating resources, where in a lot of places, um, CP had a better system. Uh, in some places, uh, C, the, the legacy KC had a, a more refined you know, system. And so it, in the... Uh, integration process, we looked at the best cases for each uh, place and took the technology or the operations technology platforms and made them from whatever legacy system was superior. Uh, I think that that work has gone on and still going on. And, and I think we've, we've got a three to five year plan for full integration that, that gets everything integrated. But what's, what's been really remarkable, Bill, is that uh, on day one, uh, right up to, what are we at, day 40, maybe day 50, uh, we have um, had every every kind of failure that, that could have happened uh, was above the waterline uh, and was engaged in with our IT people and our OT people very quickly. And uh, in a rapid response, they've been able to fix things to the extent that our customers and our, our end users have hardly even felt that. So uh, again, it's, it's like the operating plan, a lot of experience, a lot of hard work in behind 
the scenes, planning and evolving and getting getting the uh, structure ready, uh, and then being able to deal with those exceptions very robustly. And and very very proud mm -hmm. of the IT program that uh, that James and Pam have been leading primarily. You started well ahead of time with actually even before the merger was approved. Running, uh, uh, I recall it was a you'd started with an intermodals, a, a run through intermodal service from Lazaro Cardenas to Chicago, uh, I believe. Uh, how is that? How is that service uh, going? Well, uh, I'll tell you the uh, the folks in Mexico called it the train with the golden wheels. Uh, because uh, <laughs> we had a mandate that train that train was going to um, optimize the infrastructure that we had. Right to the port operator's perspective, we worked with customs brokers, had uh, pre-clearances. Uh, we resolved issues at the right at the waterhead uh, as quickly as possible, and and for the most part, by day two, that the vessels were entirely discharged. And we had two trains en route, either to Chicago or to Houston. Uh, and we did that in remarkable time. Uh, those were really good proof points on the, the power of using an alternative port like Lazaro mm -hmm. to feed the Midwest and the, even into Canada. That really helped us pivot to the uh, Midmex, the Mid-America Mid um, Midwest train to Mexico that runs every day, 180 and 181. They have become the flagship train and uh, this with the same kind of excitement around the train with the golden wheels, 180 and 181 uh, have been running 100% on time departure, 100% on time arrival since their inception last, last month. Mm -hmm. And they provide an uh, intermodal service between Chicago and Interporto, which is a wonderful uh, intermodal facility just south of SLP, San Luis Potosi, in central Mexico. And, uh, and that's really the first proof point of the single line service capability associated with the merger. Uh, and I'll tell you a story. I, I, I talked to the uh, um, RTC manager down in Monterey, Mexico. She was telling me that... Uh, she didn't want to break the streak on the on-time performance. And we had a, a crossing incident with the train in Mexico. And she said she spent uh, the whole day managing that train once, once the vehicle was cleared away, once the train was back up and running. And they were so proud to get that train in three minutes under, uh, under the on-time arrival time so that she wasn't the one who broke the streak. Uh, but it tells you the operating discipline that you associate with CP is translated well across both the former KC properties in the U.S. as well as in Mexico. And, and uh, the people uh, who are making it happen are, are engaged, energized, and committed. And so our Lazaro train converting over to 180-181 is really proven a rallying cry for everyone. You're doing a lot now with perishables. We've had in the past uh, couple of weeks two or three stories on on our website on the perishable service. And uh, you know, when when you when you look at other other services shutting down, but then you see what you folks are doing with actually building that that business, and, and that is containers, by yeah. the way. Yeah, and uh, I saw your your coverage of that. I, I had you know talking to John Brooks and the marketing team. I, I knew it was coming. I'll share with you when I first came to to 
KC as a person whose family is from Northern Ontario and had fresh fruit like two months of a year. Uh, one of the things I was most surprised about when I came to, to KC was the absence of the reefer business and, and the feeding the uh, mid-America and central Canadian markets with fresh fruit. The fact that we're doing it now uh, really is, is uh, a proof point on competition and a proof point on the, the single line service and, and avoiding handoffs in order to accelerate goods because, as you can appreciate, perishable goods uh, – don't don't take dwell very well, uh, and so we, we move them with great discipline. The fact that we can now move products in both directions in those reefers, uh, proteins from central United States into Mexico, and then fresh fruits back into the marketplaces in uh, parts of Canada and parts of the United States that uh, that that need them help tremendously, not only moving the goods, but the cost of those goods, the inflationary process that, that gets a, a nice downward slope because of the availability of, of goods uh, more readily and more consistently. It, it's exciting to see that, Bill. And, and we take that same approach with auto parts. We take that same approach with other parts of the supply chain that are, that are vital to some of the economic strategies of Mexico, United States, and Canada, and are really underpinned in the USMCA agreement that, uh, that help facilitate structure and discipline around the trade of these products around, around these three great countries. The improvements now being done at the border uh, now, they were already pretty good. You know, I remember writing about this, God, almost 30 years ago uh, with, with, with the, the privatization uh, when it became TFM and then, then KCSM. And, but now there's a second bridge being built uh, over the Rio Grande. And there's the, the customs facilities, the clear, the preclearances and all that. That's all. There's, they're actually being improved from what they were. I'll go right back to the operating plan. When uh, on when we finally were able to sit down with CP, you know there were there were times when there was a moratorium on meetings, uh, and eventually once we got within the window that the STB allowed us to come together, we started talking about what where my capital plan was as the operations leader at at, at uh, KC, uh, where Mark and team were targeting at CP. And where they had thought rudimentarily where where they would want to go with with uh, the new company, and there was so much alignment on where we were investing, uh, and those investments were really targeting uh, service capability through the the border complexes, uh, really concentrated between Shreveport, Houston, and Monterey, and so that was a, that was a great proof point that we were two great minds thinking alike. The investment that we we've, we've made over the last two years in on the Rosenberg sub, the Laredo subs, those are the two subdivisions that feed, you know, Houston south into the U.S. border complex. Uh, and in Laredo itself, we've we've put almost nine miles of track in Laredo. We've triple tracked from mm. the Laredo outer switch to, uh, to what's called Arkansas Ave, about halfway to the border, reducing transit time between uh, Laredo and the border all to optimize the use of that bridge and to to hit the hit the windows as effectively as possible and it's a win-win for everybody who uses that border uh, and that would include uh, UP as well as uh, as well as the CPKC trains um, and so yeah we're, we're continuing to work on physical in infrastructure and uh, and with the, the work that we do with uh, 
the Border Patrol, CBP, uh, the uh, SAT, which is the Mexican equivalent, uh, working together uh, uh, and being in the same you know, same location proximity, uh, using the same data points to assess goods coming across the border, it really speeds up the process. There's still a lot of work to do. There's uh, regulatory work that we're engaged with with the FRA. There's regulatory work we're doing with the the, the government of Mexico in order to pre-clear and to, to you know, really make good use of that, that transit capability across the border. Uh, but that truly is one of the franchise differentiators that we, we, are, we are focused on and have been for quite some time. I'm not gonna take a lot of the credit. You know, Jeff Songer, Mike Walzak, uh, people, people well before me uh, allowed me the opportunity to build on what they had achieved. And, uh, and Mark and team will do the same with the with the uh, investments that that were made before they took took the helm at operations. Let's talk a bit about your role as chief transformation officer. What what does that involve? It, it involves <laughs> everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's probably what doesn't it involve, Bill. It, it involves a great responsibility of really pulling the the two cultural capabilities together, and and creating a competitive landscape for our operating teams, for our non-operating teams, and really optimizing this great, this great new company. I, I've got some specific responsibilities where the STB reporting comes from. Uh, you know, Marty uh, Oberman gave us uh, a great uh, opportunity, showed a lot of faith in us in the combination, but they also had uh, some aggressive oversight uh, parameters. I get to the privilege of being the, the person at the company to uh, articulate how we're achieving those um, those measures, how we're complying with what we said we would do, and working across across both companies, both legacy companies, to make sure that we've got that alignment from from our obligations there and our STB metrics. They also have the uh, the portfolio of labor and and resources, uh, and making sure that um, what we do is lining up. To, to the values and the visions that uh, CPKC has. And, uh, and as I said, the regulatory environment uh, in all three countries is, is going to get more and more complex, but therein lie a lot of opportunities to even improve uh, on the physical infrastructure by having complementary public doctrine that lines up to facilitate trade in a, in a responsible, secure way. And so I've got that obligation as well. And, and over time, you know, there are more things that, that are evolving, but really it, it gets to how do we make the most out of this company? How do we um, make sure we've got compliance on what we've said we would do? And ultimately, if we're spending the energy and time to understand what we said we would do and, and proving it to people like the STB or our customers, then how do we then use that for ourselves and convert uh, that new knowledge and, and accelerating our learning curve and our, and our service capabilities so that not only do the STB get the assurances that we're doing what we say we're going to do, but our customers get a, a, a renewed value uh, over and above the single line service uh, exchange by us continuously improving on our capabilities. You know, it, it, it must be uh, challenging or difficult to try to integrate uh, and I'm talking about for, uh, na you know, national requirements. For example, in Canada, as you well know, grain is heavily regulated. There are certain quotas and 
uh, and and they even cap the amount of the amount of revenue you can make from grain. Yeah. Uh, things are it's it's a little bit more of a free market here uh, than getting into Mexico. You're dealing with cross border manufacturing uh, ramping up and uh, nearshoring. There's, that's a lot to manage. Yeah, and uh, and Bill, it, it takes new skills, right? And that's the beauty of a learning organization. Uh, you recognize where you're strong. You recognize where you need to adjust. And uh, one of the greatest challenges of a, of a high-performing team is to recognize a new need. Uh, and when uh, Keith and I sat down and talked about this potential role, uh, it, it re really got me excited to be working in that complexity. I, I love nonlinear solutions when you've got additional complexities of three countries, three regulators, three mm -hmm. cultures, three languages. I mean, three. Di the distinctions are are incredible, but they're knitted together uh, by a, a few things, a very few things. Uh, one is USMCA and, and formerly NAFTA, and the other is CPKC. We, we are the physical bridge and the catalyst for a lot of the growth that's being talked about aspirationally in Mexico uh, and even uh, in other parts of North America. We, we um, provide that private investment that marries well with public policies that are lining up to try and attract that uh, nearshoring, reshoring, allied shoring, all, you know, all of the different uh, uh, displacements of supply chain. And, uh, and as, as I've said in the past, uh, it's not feather companies being relocated. These are companies that need heavy haul uh, industrial size transportation, and we we are that we are a single line service provider that can reach so much uh, population in North America and so many ports. Uh, we can really solve a lot of the problems that are associated uh, with this change. So yeah, it, it is complicated. Um, but but that's what experience is for. And that's why the team, uh, it's nice to have a humble, energized, collaborative team that's a privilege to work with. One potential new piece of business could be lithium batteries. There's a, a lithium ion battery production processing plant that's opening up in Thunder Bay. And that's right on your main line. Here we have an example of, I guess you'd call it uh, onshoring or nearshoring, where uh, production of, uh, of batteries to support electric vehicles is being placed uh, domestically. Yeah, I'm aware of the lithium uh, battery uh, movements. And, you know, there, there, there's talk in parts of Quebec. There's, there's talk in uh, Corpus Christi in Texas. Thunder Bay I hadn't heard of, but uh, I know exactly where Thunder Bay is. I think it talks about uh, an emerging economy that, uh, that we're, we in North America are prepared to play into. And it also talks about um, no matter how good your network is, the relationships in the sector are so important because lithium could come from a different carrier in Canada or a different part part of uh, right. America right. or mm -hmm. off, off of a vessel, uh, and uh, and then being brought into a supply chain that could move back and forth, uh, you know, over the U.S. Canadian border a couple of times in pre-production, post-production, back down into Mexico, back up into assembly facilities. The response to new opportunities and new competitions uh, is, is something that uh, as a chief transformation officer working with the marketing team, working with the operating team and, uh, you know, helping vet out some of these opportunities or, 
you know, do, do we have do we have that uh, capability to, to be world class participants or not? And if we don't, who can we partner with? Those sorts of things are, are ongoing discussions. And I'll tell you, John Brooks and his team are just completely dialed into all of these opportunities and uh, really, really committed to this new economy, uh, whether it's nearshoring or it's just organically developed because of emerging technologies. Could you comment on how the sales team or sales and marketing team at CPKC will integrate and to what extent will uh, you be uh, calling on customers, both large and small? And then maybe that ties in with a question I was going to ask you about your, uh, your, uh, your relationships with all the short lines and regionals that, that connect and provide yeah. a lot of feeder traffic. Yeah, Bill, I, that's a great question. I think I think you um, the marketing team and how they integrate is a lot like the operating team and how they integrate. You know, we've 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 taken uh, a guy like Tim Livingston who was running the U.S. and Mexico transportation, and he's now vice president up in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, running the hump yard, running that whole territory up there. A guy from Louisiana in a winter environment. Uh, we've got people from CP down in Shreveport. We've we've got Chad Davini running Mexico. So we're we're taking talent and moving them around so that they can influence. It's the same thing in the the marketing and sales group. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, talented people from automotive or, or intermodal that are working on both sides of the border. But uh, they they are working in, in the same fashion, taking the top talent, moving them into key positions, whether they're from one legacy company or another. And uh, I think that the term meritocracy is, has been um, something that's uh, part of the, the general language now. You, you work hard, you, you produce results, you uh, add value, and those that, that merit will get you more and more responsibility. And uh, so, yeah, calling on customers, but being selective on how we are able to use the capacity that we've got and mindful that we have obligations to be efficient and effective and fluid so that we can provide reliable, steady service. So that, that, I think that's the approach, whether it's marketing, whether it's operations or non-operations, Bill, uh, the, the, the talent, the richness of talent on both companies has really been uh, a great renewal for CPKC. Well, John, it's been great speaking with you. Uh, I sense that you're having fun. You're really <laughs> loving what you're doing. And that's, you know, and after all these years in this industry, that's uh, that's a good thing, really. God bless Isn't you. That, that's what we <laughs> teach our children, right? Find yes. something you like to do and do it well and uh, and success will find its its own balance somewhere. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah it, it is fun and uh, it's hard work. The, the work that goes on uh, today, it's 44 degrees Celsius in Monterey. And, uh, you know, it's <laughs> people, people are working hard in that heat. Uh, and then mm -hmm. in the wintertime, it's minus 40 in, in Calgary. So uh, we, we've got a, a committed group of people and there's nothing better than working with committed people and being able to serve their careers uh, and help guide them and be a part of the transformation of, of such a wonderful company. John, thanks so much. That concludes this edition of Rail Group On Air. Thanks very much to John Orr and the entire team at Canadian Pacific Kansas City. And also thanks very much to our sponsor for this podcast, Trinity Rail, the premier provider of rail transportation products 
services, and rail logistics solutions. Please go to www.trinityrail.com for more information. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. We'll see you next time. Have a safe day. Thank you.